for today, we have a guest speaker. So we've heard often from his wife, Tammy uh, Kettleson, but today we get the opportunity to hear from her husband, Levi. So would you guys welcome Levi Kettleson. Thank you, John. I appreciate that intro. And yes, you can refer to me as Tammy's husband. I've been riding her coattails since we got married 21 years ago. I'm totally cool doing that. Thank you, Tammy, for being here and supporting me. Uh, Pastor John and Savannah, thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. Thank you for the work that you've been doing so faithfully here in uh, Burlington and at LifeBridge. Scripture says that uh, God will build his church. Do you believe that? It also says that the gates of hell can't hold it back. And since the invite to come, that's been my prayer for the both of you. That uh, through this worthy campaign and all the campaigns that you've been doing, that the church that God is using you to lead and to build um, would not be held back by the gates of hell. So that's been my prayer for you, my friends. And uh, it's an honor to speak to you today, to speak with you, uh, concluding this campaign on worthy. And since the beginning of this campaign, or at least until I heard that I was invited to come speak, I figured I should tune in and listen to what you've been speaking about and how you've been learning about what is worthy, who is worthy, how we worship. And today, we are going to talk about work. Some of you are like, yes, I love my work. And some of you are like, work? That ain't worship. What's he talking about? Um, work. And how our work is valuable, how our work is worship to God. And just by a show of hands, and I'm a, I'm a group participation kind of guy, um, so I need you to feedback a little bit. If I say something you like to say, man, you can do that too. If you don't like to, that's fine. That's all, it's all good. Um, but I'm a group participation guy. So by a show of hands, in the last month, those of you that work, whether you get paid to work or you're just volunteering, because that's work too, you had a good day at work. Just raise your hand. You had a good day at work in the last month. Okay, that's pretty good. Most of you, all right. Now, a little bit more vulnerability. In the last month, you've had at least one bad day. Like, it's just been hard. You felt like quitting. You felt like quitting. You're like, oh, indeed. Like, what else is out there? You know, this isn't working for me. Um, okay, so almost every single one of you raised your hands. Students in the room, I know school's starting up, so you're gonna feel that too. Good days and bad days as well. So stay with me, because when you go to school, that counts as well. In my 30-ish, I'll say, in my 30-ish years of working, I've noticed that there's two extremes when it comes to work. The first extreme is those of you that are, you're all in. Like you wake up and it's work mode, it's go time. Um, some people classify you or you get labeled as maybe type A or driven. Maybe you've been called a workaholic at times, but you are just all in. And so this first group of people, and you can be in both camps, but we lean towards one or the other. This first group, we tend to view worship as something, we view our work as something we worship. And if we're not careful, we will work in a way to earn God's favor, and we view our work as something we worship, and we actually worship the work, rather than working to worship a holy God. 
you might be that person that by Sunday afternoon, you're already checking your emails. Your spouse is looking at you and like, hey, it's not work time yet. And you're like, I know, but I really gotta get this together because I got a big presentation or I gotta get this job done. I gotta, I gotta prep it all out. And so you view, actually, your, your work, you, you lean towards worshiping your work. And that Sabbath thing that God talked about, yeah, that just gets in the way of your, your to-do list, right? Um, I won't ask you to raise your hand if that's you, um, but you know who you are, and um, your spouse, if you have one, or your kids, if you have them, they know who you are as well. And those of you in this room that are like that, we're grateful for you, because a lot of things happen. A lot of things happen on time. Like, we need you, but when we worship our work, it goes against God's design. And, and those of you who fit, in, fill in, fit into this camp, and these are, this is the first extreme, so I'll get to the other extreme in just a moment. But this first group, you even have verses to dignify your worshiping of your work. First Thessalonians says this, he who does not work does not eat. Right? That's biblical. That is true. First Timothy 5.8 Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This group, you, you fit in this category. You're glad that you're working hard. You're glad that you're providing, that you're getting stuff done, that you're making stuff happen, that you're building the kingdom of God. You're proud of that. But if we're not careful, we begin to worship our work rather than doing our work as a worship to God. And so this first group of extremes, we're glad you're in the room. But just be mindful. Be open to some of the things I want to share, I have to share with you today because there's a way that we can live in a way that honors God and our work worships him. The second group, you're kind of that group that says, if I get up at 9 or if I get up at 10, I don't think it matters. I work, but I don't know if my work really does anything. Maybe you've had a day or five days in a row or a month in a row where you're at work and you're like, my work doesn't matter. What I'm doing is worthless. I see no value. And so you think your work is worthless. And this is the other extreme. So we, we worship our work and then we, we think our work is worthless. And this group is needed as well. <laughs> because if you weren't here, the first group would be dead by 50 or maybe 40 or even 29. Because they work, work, work. There's no rest. There's no, there's no play. There's no fun. This is the group that says, this job is too hard. Let's go do something fun. This is the group that say, hey, let's cut, our, cut out early and go out for food or drinks, whatever you prefer. That's this group. But the, the, the extreme on this side is we see our work as worthless and not worthy or holy. And yes, this group even has scriptures too. Don't we all? We, all, we, all, we can all find a scripture to, um, if we misinterpret it, by the way, um, use for our case. Um, you say, well, Genesis 3.17, God said to Adam, the ground is cursed because of the sin. Like the toil that you are doing, the work that you are doing is going to be hard. The labor, ladies, that you are going to go through, it's going to be painful. 
It's going to be hard. It's, it's just hard. I don't want to do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. And then if you go even further, you could go into Ecclesiastes 2, verses 17 through 19. And this just gets real low. Like, so I hated life, the author says. I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous for me. I want to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe some of you today, you feel like your work is grievous. Like, it's, you're grieving. Like, this isn't just hard work. It's like you're in a sense of mourning. Like, that's the depth that he's talking about here. He says, all of it, it's meaningless. A chasing after the wind. He says, I hated all the things I toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one that comes after me. Everything is meaningless. That means, he's, he's saying here, like, I don't get any benefit from the work. It's all for other people. There's no benefit for me. All this work, all this pain, all this toil, it's all meaningless. And again, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but by what I've described here, I would be willing to say that you know where you land on these two extremes, where you came in today and you view work as important and valuable, and, and at times you can maybe been like I have at times in my life where I've actually worshiped the work rather than worked in a way that worshiped God because I've done good things and even godly things that have prevented me from caring for the people that God has placed in my life. And there's been times where my wife has texted me saying, where are you? And I'm at work. I'm doing things. I'm finishing the work that God has called me to do. But at times I've neglected my family. I did that early on in our marriage and in our ministry. And that, that, that hurt my family. I'm getting better. I'm not there yet. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm better. And then there's the other side where it's like, I can't work today. I can't do anything. I've been there. I've been stuck in seasons where either through depression or um, a lack of fulfillment, like I just couldn't do, I just couldn't get motivated to do the work that God had called me to do. And so wherever you fall today, whether on this extreme, where you have a tendency to worship your work and get too attached to it, or you're on this side where you see that the work that you're doing with your hands is not valuable at all. It's even worthless. There's hope for both of us today because God has a design just like you've been going through in this campaign that he's worthy he's worthy of the songs that we just sang he's worthy of the gifts that we bring to him as a result of our work he's worthy of all of it and he's worthy of our work and what we do with our hands we see in Genesis chapter 2 that God is creating he's creating everything and on the, on the sixth day, he creates Adam. And he says in, in verse two of chapter two, like he, he rested on that after the sixth day. He created everything, and he says, I've got everything, but who's gonna work it? Like I built this thing, who's actually gonna work it? And he says he, he puts Adam in the garden in verse 15 of chapter two. The Lord God took man, and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it of it. Would you pray with me as we pray over the word today? Father, thank you for the word and what you've given this morning. I pray that you would open our ears to hear. You would open our eyes to see. You would open our spirits to receive what you have for us in this time as 
we look at your word and we, we ask that you would change us according to it, not that we would change it according to us, but that you would change us and you would make us new. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. This Hebrew word that we translate into English for work has, has three root words, and the first one is avad, the second is av- avoda, and then the third is evid. So this is the word that's translated work in your English translation, and these three words are translated work or service or worship several hundred times throughout the whole Old Testament, and I want to show you just a few texts, and then I'm going to give you three things to know if your work is worship to God. There's several texts, but I can't go through them all. I just want to build build the case here. I already read it, Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. That word work is a voda here. Exodus 34.21, God, in renewing the covenant with Moses, says, six days you shall work. Avoda, work, service, worship. Exodus 8.1 says this. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. This is Moses speaking to Pharaoh right before the Exodus. Let my people go. He's the voice of God. Let my people go so they can worship, so they can work, so they can serve me. Joshua 24, 15, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father, the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, this is Joshua standing up. He's saying, as the leader of my house, as the leader of this nation, but as for me in my house, we will serve. Of Oda. See, the Hebrew word here, and we, as the, the English translation does not do it, do it justice, because when it was originally written, it encompassed all of it. The worship that we traditionally think of, the singing and the giving and the community and all that stuff, but then the work that we do, and then also the service that we do to others. It's all combined. We can't divide it. God created us in his image. He worked for six days, and so he, in being created in his image, we are called to work. And as I look around, I see you, many of you, at different stages of the work journey. Some of you are getting ready to start school in a couple of, a couple of weeks, and all the kids are like, oh, man. But you're looking forward to seeing your, kid, your friends. I get that, and all the parents are like, yes. School's coming back, schedules, they're out of, all of that, but kids are with us in a couple weeks, or is that next week? I forget, next week? Yeah, so kids will be welcome back uh, right before they head back to school. Um, and we see here that work is worship. I want to give you three things. Three things that you can hopefully remember, if you're taking notes, this would be a good time to start. If you've already done that, great. Um, if you don't, that's fine too. I'm going to give you three things to help you tomorrow morning, to help you this afternoon, to help you Wednesday afternoon. And again, whether you're working and you get paid for it or maybe you're even retired, um, you don't get paid or you do get paid, probably less than what you did when you you were working full time. But three things to help you identify and then walk out your work as worship to God. We were created by God, a working God to work. And ironically, 
Yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, I like to, I like to, alliteration is kind of big deal to me. So they all start with W. I think we do that to help people, but I think, never mind. Um, so how do you know if your work is worship and worship to God? How do you know if you're worshiping your work or you're viewing your work as worthless? The first thing, work is worship when the who is not about you. Work is worship when the who is not about you. Colossians 3, 22 through 23 says this. Slaves, and here Paul is talking about servants, not the slavery that we naturally go to, um, but servants, indentured servants, workers, people in the household, people in the marketplace. He says, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you. How many know people at work? They only work when the boss is around. Like, they just work differently. Like, oh, the boss must be around. Uh, the supervisor um, says, no. Do not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. Raise your hand if you've ever worked a day in your life without your heart. Like, your heart just wasn't in it. Like, you just showed up. Oh, come on. I'm not the only one. I've done it. I did it last week. All right? But he's calling us to work with all of our heart, uh, sincerity, reverence for the Lord. What all you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as, and this is the key part, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. See, yes, you do work for the person that hired you. That's logistics, right? I mean, you can't work there if you don't get hired there. I mean, you could, but yeah. You're working for them. I get it. They're your supervisor. They may be good, bad, evil, anything in the middle. But you're not just working for them. You're working for the Lord who created you and gave you good gifts and good talents to use to honor him and then to serve others. So you're not just working for the one that hired you. And some of you are like, yeah, but you don't know who hired me. You don't know the place I work. No, I don't. But I've been in those settings too. And we all have. Some days that's easier to do. Some days it's harder. First Peter 4, 10 through 11 says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So we're called to serve the one we're, we're over and then also the one that is in front of us or to serve others. It's, he says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Have you ever thought of work as God's grace? I haven't until I read this. <laughs> work is actually a grace that God has given to us. And we, when we view work as that, as a grace he's given us to serve others, watch what happens. If anyone speaks, they should speak as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should serve, uh, do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised. We do the things that we do in the ways that we do them so God gets the glory. So God's name is praised. And he says right here, through Christ Jesus, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So no, this doesn't end when you leave the job that you're currently at or you get to the job you really, really want. This is the job that you're in, who you are serving. Your boss may be great. Your boss may be horrible or anything in between. And if you're the boss, you know how much in between that you are. Um, <clears throat> either way, as long as you're there, 
Know who you're serving, and it is God. You bring glory and honor to him. Your work involves you, but it's not about you. God has called you to work, but your work is not just for you. Yes, you get compensated. Yes, you provide for your family, but your work is not just for you. So we do it for God, and then we do it for the who that's in front of you. Your worship, your, your work is worship when the who is not about you. It's about our Heavenly Father, it's about our Creator God, and it's about the who that's in front of you. Now, some of you are in customer service. Some of you are in an in a, in a, in a aspect of work where the who that's in front of you is just really hard to deal with. Anybody, you've ever had like that, that customer or that client that you just cannot please? Like, if you could cancel them, if you could fire them, you would. And you might, but you just, you need the money, right? So it's, it's kind of, there's a tension point there. But what would happen if you woke up tomorrow morning or whenever you're going to have that meeting with that hardest customer and you looked at them as an image bearer of Christ, as an adopted son or daughter of the most high God, knowing that we have been given good gifts, talents, abilities to work for him and then also to serve them to meet their needs, even if they are a very, very needy person. I love what Horst Schultze says, whether he's training the dishwasher or the maitre d' or the new manager at one of his Ritz-Carlton hotels. He says this, we are ladies and gentlemen, and he does it in an amazing German accent that I will not try to duplicate, but he says we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. We are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. There is an equality that he is putting here to the serving group and also the group that is being served. There's not a discrepancy. We see it all the time in, in our world. There's, but there's an equality. There is a dignity here that you and I, as followers of Jesus, we are called to see in our work that we are sons and daughters of God serving sons and daughters of God. Our work is worship when the who is not about you. That this takes humility. This takes people telling us it's about. It shouldn't be about you. All of that. But everyone you sell, I'm sorry. Everyone you serve, everyone you work with, everyone you buy from, everyone you sell to, is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 25 when he's talking about the end. And he's talking about the righteous and how he calls the righteous in Matthew 25, 40. He says this, and he was teaching about what's going to happen when the Son of Man comes down. He's going to talk about what happens when he divides the righteous and the unrighteous. And he says, the righteous will come into my kingdom. They will receive an inheritance. Well, how does that happen? He says this. Whatever you've done to the least of these, you have done to me. This is verse 40 of Matthew chapter 5. I don't have time to explain all of it. If you want to read it, go for it. But there's this moment where Jesus is saying, whenever you fed me when I was hungry, whenever you clothed me when I was naked, when I was in prison, you came to visit me. When I was needy, you helped me. This applies to the poor that will always be with us, but this applies in the marketplace as well because there's things that you do that help the needy, that fulfill in order, clothing, 
food. Like this all ties in together and we see that Jesus is saying, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, we are co-workers in God's service. We are co-laborers. There is a mutual team we over me, whatever you want to call it, we're co-laboring with God and with each other. And our work is worship when it is not about the, when the who is not about you. Second thing, our work is worship when the what overcomes the but. Our work is worship when the what, the what we do overcomes the but. Raise your hand if you've ever gave an excuse like me that I gave to my boss. Anybody? Excuses? Maybe to your parent. Maybe to your spouse. Oh, you know what? I could, but I didn't. I wanted to, but I didn't. I didn't have what I needed. Otherwise, I would have. You know, there's ways that, that we share excuses or reasons. You know what? I could have, but I just, I just didn't. But work is worship when the what overcomes the but. Some of you, what you're doing, you have a hard time seeing its value. You have a hard time getting excited or being passionate or following through because the what you are actually doing either isn't aligned with you, your giftings, your talents, or even your experiences. I love what we see in Exodus 31, verses 1 through 11. I can't pack all this, but this is so vital when it comes to the what when we work. This is Moses getting the second group of commandments. If you know scripture, you see that uh, Moses got the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai, and then the people were rebelling, and he got mad, and he broke the first one's light. You ever made a mistake at work? Like, maybe it cost $1,000, $2,000, a million dollars? I don't know. This is a pretty big mistake. Like, this is God's law. Like, and it just breaks. Like, there's grace. There's forgiveness. God's like, okay, let's do it again. Chisel out some more stone. I'll write it out for you again. I'm going to stay with you. I'm not giving up on you. This is what he says. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and I, have and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of of skill. God has given the vision to Moses. He's given him the plan. He's given him the law. And now he's got, he needs people to make it happen. And he's saying, I have filled them with my spirit. I don't know about you, but I've worked in ways not filled with the spirit of God. And everything just doesn't work. <laughs> like it's, it's either late or it's broken. Or, but when the spirit of God fills us, this is what we have, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So this is what was given. They, they didn't have it. They didn't have the wisdom. They didn't, they didn't have the plan. They didn't have the experience to do what God is calling them to do, but the Spirit gave it to them. And understanding, there was no clarity. Like, I mean, we've all been at a job where somebody gave us something to do, and there was no clarity. Like, go, go where? Like, go paint that wall. Well, what color? Like, where am I supplying? We've all been it. But God gives this to them. 
He says, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, all kinds of skills. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. To cut and set stones. To work in wood and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, okay, that's pretty good. But he says, moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahishmach, of, of the tribe of Dan. That one's easier to say. Um, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers <clears throat> to make Everything I have commanded to you. Ever feel ill-equipped at work? Ever feel like overwhelmed by the tasks that are in front of you that you're being asked to do? Guess what? The Spirit of God is available to you to give you wisdom, to give you understanding, to give you clarity so that when the excuses come, and they come, when the sicknesses come, and they come, when the hardships come, and they will keep coming, we have wisdom, we have understanding, we have direction, we have clarity, and everything gets accomplished. I mean, how exciting would your boss be if everything they told you to do for quarter three was done 60 days in? <laughs> I mean, how excited would they be? How much glory and honor would God get if we lived in that way, and we had these things. This is what's available to us as followers of Christ. And it was for the tabernacles, the table, it was everything that was going to be built to house the presence of God. To house it. The Spirit is in us. Ecclesiastes 9 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, <clears throat> do it with all your might. All your trades workers in here, plumbers, drywallers, painters, construction workers, this is you. You're building stuff. You're working with your hands. Some of you are inclined just amazingly with your hands. Like you can make anything out of anything. You just, you just, you're given that. You're born that way. God's given you that. Some of you, you just think differently. Like you think in systems. You think in organizations. Like boom, 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 boom. You just get that. That's given by God through the Spirit. So whatever we do, we do it with all of our might. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father because he's worthy. Everything goes to him. Everything comes back to him. Psalms 90.17 says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper us for the work of our hands. Oh, prosper the work of of our hands, that's been one of my prayers for you in preparation for this, is that as you view your work as worship, that your work would be prosperous. That you would increase in favor, just like Jesus did. He increased in favor with God and with man. Jesus worked for 30 years, maybe 25, depending on how, you, how early he started working. He worked in the marketplace, and then he did ministry. Ironically, most of his ministry was in the marketplace. That's a whole nother discussion. Your, fa your favor would be on us. That's my prayer for you. We see God as a gardener in Genesis. We see Jesus as a carpenter in the New Testament. The things that we do with our hands matter. There is dignity. There is value there, Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, no task is too small a vessel to hold the immense dignity of work given 
by God. See, what you do matters, and how you do it matters. It matters to God, and it matters to the people that you are serving. Worship, or work is worship when the who is not about you, and worship, or work is worship when the what overcomes the but. And number three, work is worship when the why points to the sky. See, I tried to make them rhyme for you. Easy to remember. Now, when I say sky, think eternity. I couldn't say work is worship when the why points to eternity. You just wouldn't get it, and that's just not right. So our work is worship when the why points to the sky. It's not about the here and now only. It's about eternity so that the glory of God will last forever and ever. And I think we, we struggle with this a lot. And just a quick background for me, I've, uh, I pastored Journey Church for, uh, here in Burlington for the last uh, nine and a half years. Tammy and I did that together and our family. Um, I've also worked in the marketplace. I was a, a plumbing apprentice for two days a week for nine months when I was a youth pastor in Michigan. I grew up on a farm. I've, I've seen the, the blessing and the toil and the labor of hard work and calloused hands and all of that. And I've also seen what God can do in a setting like this where it can be easier to see the correlation between eternity and our work. And we can look at people who stand on a stage, who preach the word of God, lead a life group, lead a church, and we can actually elevate them and say, oh, their work matters more than mine because it's clearly tied to eternity. It is tied to eternity, and so is yours. Whether you stand on the stage or not, your work matters. The divide between secular and sacred is a man-made thing. The enemy has used it to divide churches, to divide people. Your work is sacred, whether you work in a church or you work in the marketplace, or you do both. And I've, I've done both. I've seen it. Colossians 3.24 says this. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. This follows verse 22 and 23 where we work unto the Lord, not to anybody else, but who that's in front of us. There's an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When you go to work, either this afternoon or tomorrow, you need to know that your work is going to matter. It's going to reverberate into Eternity. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always excel in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain. I don't know about you, and I don't know about your workplace, but do the people that call themselves followers of Jesus, are they excelling? Are you, as a follower of Jesus, are you excelling in your work? God is calling us to that. When we excel at our work, I mean, think about it. The creator of the world created us. And if we're called to serve him and serve the people in front of us, why in the world would we as Christians not be the best? 
Why would we not be the most creative? We have the spirit of the living God inside of us. Why would we not have the most integrity when our God is faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to him? He's calling us to excel in our work. And there's grace when we make mistakes. I'm not saying there isn't any of that. But why can't we be the best? Because our work reflects our creator. And when we say we're a follower of Jesus... And we don't turn in that project on time. Or we say, yeah, I missed that. Sorry, your problem, no. Mm. It ruins our witness. It ruins our opportunity to speak into people's lives. And we have grace for each other. There's all of that. I'm not saying that. I'm, please don't hear me. There's no shame. There's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. But why can't we be the best? Why can't we be known in the marketplaces giving products and, and service in such a way that everybody's giving us five-star reviews on Google? Everybody's calling and saying, oh, man. I talked to James. I worked, he, he, everything was on time. My project was part, not perfect, but when he missed it, he made up for it. Like, why can't we be that? Because it's those types of things that move people and show others that God took care in working to create us, and we care about working to serve him and to serve those in front of us because our labor is not in vain. I'm almost done. You're, good, you're a good group. You're staying with me here. 2 Corinthians 4, 14 through 18 says this. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us. This is after we're dead. This is after our time of working on this earth has ended and we're back in the, 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 ground, the, the dirt that we came from. He will raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, there's that word grace again, the grace is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. It's not about us getting the credit. It's about God getting the credit. It's not about us getting any accolades or promotions. It's about God getting the glory because he is worthy. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. What we do here matters. God started with a garden. He called us to cultivate it. He called us to build. He called us to subdue this earth. And we are moving towards a city model. You'll see it all throughout scripture. Again, that's a whole nother message. But we're moving to this kingdom that he wants us to help create and, and build here on earth so your work matters. Work is worship when your why, your purpose, focuses on eternity. Points to the sky band. I'm going to ask you to come up at this point. We're going to sing one more song. Uh, and, and again, I'm almost done. You guys have been great. I've had this bubbling up inside of me for a couple of months. I know I'm going a little long. Stay with me just a little bit while longer. Those of you who have influence and leadership in the room, 
I'm speaking to those of you who sit on boards, those of you who are managers, those of you who are, uh, maybe you just lead an intern. That's leadership. Think of your influence with people this way. Um, We've got a band up here. They're leading us in singing. They're worship leaders. They picked the song list. They practiced. Part of their job is to set the table for the presence of God to meet us in this space, for us to worship him in singing, for us to have a a, a tangible encounter with the spirit of the living God. That's part of their job. They're, They're called to sing and do it with excellence and all this kind of stuff. And they do a great job. I mean, the presence of God was here this morning. When we were singing, team, you did an amazing job. I had a conversation with a gentleman in in the lobby before service. I asked him, I said, why are you here at LifeBridge? You know what he told me? He said, because God is here. The presence of God is here. Let that be said of your team. Because managers, leaders, you are worship leaders. Because if your work is worship, You are worship leaders in the marketplace. You are setting the table for your team to come in, to fulfill their purpose, to provide for their family, to fulfill the calling on their life. You are worship leaders. And so maybe you just need to change the perspective going into this next week, that you're a worship leader. You set the tone. You set the table for the presence of God and for the work that God calls us to, to honor him and to bring people who need the gifts that you have to be served. We can't talk about work without talking about the Sabbath. So this is my last point, and then I'll pray for you. God created the Sabbath for us. God worked for six days. The seventh, he rested. We can't continue to disobey God in the Sabbath. In the West, we have a problem with this. We're working Got to get it all done. It all depends on me. I've heard it said, you pray like it all depends on God and you work like it all depends on you. I get it. Got to pray hard. Got to work hard. I get it. Yes, that's all true. But part of your disconnect with God could be that you're not honoring the Sabbath. You're just working too hard. Or you've got seven Sabbaths (laughs) and you're not working enough. So there's two extremes. The Sabbath was not for man. Or man was not created for the Sabbath. Jesus told that. He said that to us. The Sabbath was created for you. Please learn to rest, to wait on the Lord. Sabbath, just, you just stop. You're not productive at all. There should be no to-do lists on your Sabbath day. It's a reminder that you're not in control. It's a reminder that it's all His and that our dependence on him is needed for us to worship him. That's why we gather like this. That's why we we take a little longer when we're eating. We enjoy things that we can delight in. The Sabbath was made for you to rest, and so you can head into your work week refreshed, filled up, filled with the Spirit again to serve wherever he's placed you. Sabbath was designed by God. It was observed by God. And our rest from work, at least one day every six, is worship to God. Would you bow your heads with me, please, as I pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the fact that you've met us here. Thank you that you've called us to work and that our work is to be done in a way that honors you and, and serves the who that's in front of us. God, I pray that you would help us, those in here that are struggling with the what. Maybe they just, they're struggling with what they're doing and how it applies to your kingdom. And maybe they're just having a rough season at work. Nothing's working. God, I pray that you give clarity to them. I pray that you give wisdom, you give understanding. God, for those in here that are struggling to see how their work impacts eternity, God, I pray that through these words and what you've spoken today, that we would see it, that every person in front of us is an adopted son or daughter of you, the most high God. They are creation. There is dignity there, and that there is dignity in every work that we do, and it matters because that job might be an opportunity to share the hope of Jesus. That completed work may be an opportunity to serve them in a need outside of work. So God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're holy today. May we live in such a way that our work is worship. Fill us with your spirit. Give us everything that you said you would, and we will trust you for the results. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.